Hello everyone, this is Johanny from EduCrafter and welcome to Bubbly Education. Today we are breaking the bubbles with uh, Linda Manila, who I would like to call a good friend of mine at this point. We've done uh, collaboration in a couple of projects and I would also like to refer to her as the Maker Queen of Finland. Welcome Linda. Thank you, nice to be here. Uh, Was it so that this is your first podcast? I think so. I've okay. been to something that might seem like a podcast, but I don't think it officially was one. Okay. Yeah. So something recorded. Yeah. Then... Quite a lot of different recording things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've been uh, on stage as well. I've seen you yes. in a couple of places like uh, some conferences. And uh, can you name a few? Oh, that oh, was they a are plenty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I travel quite a lot, and I think that last year I probably have like 60 or something. Okay. Uh, yeah. So starting to name them is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. But, but what kind of audiences or venues those been? It's very. It's it's different in a sense that I'm I'm partly a researcher as well. So of course I have that, those conferences that I speak at, but that that audience and that context is quite different from the other ones where mm-hmm. I speak a lot to uh, teachers, school leaders, um, municipality people who want to do strate- strategic change or work mm-hmm. for change within their organization. And um, last week I was talking to some tech students uh, about my career and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of from one extreme to the other, almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any preferences there? Like uh, when you go out and talk, uh, what are the most appealing places or audiences for you? That's or it doesn't matter. Question. No, I don't really think it matters. I mean, last, yeah, yesterday I was talking. I had two hours with uh, seven-year-old kids. Okay. And I mean that's that's fun in a completely different way mm-hmm. than talking to school leaders or teachers or startup people or whoever but i i really like talking to people so i have to answer that my answer is that it doesn't really matter because it's always just as fun it sounds like uh, something that teachers do we we um, my background is in teaching so i like talking as well yeah and everybody told me when i was a kid that you will become a teacher Okay, yeah. and this happened? No, it did not happen. I was a rebellious <laughs> teenager and I said, no, I will not follow in the footsteps of all of my relatives. I will not become a teacher. Uh, but then something happened on the way and I did become something very close to a teacher. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, this is the path you're gonna follow. Like you've uh, found that this is my thing. I want to continue yes. doing this. Uh, what are the, some of the recent projects you've been uh, running now? Yeah, we think about education and uh, maker culture. Some of my recent projects are, well, I've had one on uh, on programming related activities, more creativity with technology uh, with schools, five municipalities in Finland, which has been running now for four years. That just ended, uh, which we've had quite quite nice results in, and we've we've had some um, large teacher happenings as well, and got a lot of nice nice feedback from that, and really. Got the, got the spark once again that this is actually needed, that the things that you mm-hmm. do are actually worthwhile doing. Because that's, I mean, if nobody would like what you were doing, it wouldn't be that fun anymore. So so that's been good in that sense that we've actually had a lot of concrete results out in the schools and in the municipalities, but also getting this acknowledgement, yes, that yes, this is something that's needed. 
Uh, also have another project uh, on uh, making culture or a couple of projects on maker culture, uh, which I think is very, very interesting in the sense that you can actually, all the teachers say that uh, you can actually see how, how kids that otherwise would maybe not be as interested in school or who don't want to sit for a long time, all of a sudden those are the ones who might be most interested in doing these things. Um, or teachers saying that all of a sudden they had nothing to do themselves because kids were just teaching each other and learning and doing things that the teachers might not even have known how to do. Um, so all of these um, things that we as adults learn from actually have, giving kids the tools to create on their own and, and having, having some kind of guidelines on, okay, so this is what you should accomplish, but giving them rather free hands in mm -hmm. finding out how to actually go about doing that. So the maker-related projects have shown me really, really nice things about that. And then I have an, uh, a non-profit organization, uh, which also, well, it's called Make It Finland, but it's not that. It's not only maker culture, but it's about uh, providing everybody the same opportunities to, to learn about uh, the current the current uh, society, digitalization, all the opportunities, but also something about the challenges that we face. And I think it's really important to see technology as something that we can use to well, bring people together instead of letting it tear people further apart. Mm -hmm. And that's why I chose the non-profit path, because I think it's really important that we can't say, it, okay, so in order to learn these things, you need to come up with 300 euros or 500 euros, but it should actually be something that everybody should in some way at least be have the opportunity to take part in. I find it very cool because I've seen uh, in the hub the Make It a Festival uh, happening and uh, the way uh, there has been uh, people from different ages, like uh, parents coming with their uh, kids, even very young ones. And I'm thinking, was this some sort of a goal for you from the very beginning, like to have uh, people from different backgrounds, different age people coming together? Absolutely, absolutely. So we've had the festivals that you talk about, so they've been in three languages, or we've marked them as three language festivals. But in the end, we've had a lot of volunteers speaking Urdu and Hindi and uh, mm -hmm. French and Polish and Russian. So we've actually had like 10, 10 multilingual festivals. <laughs> so that's been one thing that you could actually come regardless of what language you speak. Mm -hmm. And there will be somebody who could help you out. And also to show that, okay, so this isn't something that we now need to show kids because they are supposed to, or they will take over and they will create the future. But we're actually all here now, regardless of if we're 5, 10, 15 or 75. So I think that we hope to live for quite a few years more, regardless of what age we are now in. And I mean, there's nothing hindering us from taking part in, in society today, regardless of what age we are. Mm -hmm. Was uh, this the sort of passion that that drives you yeah. in this? Uh, was that also the spark to uh, give the TEDx talk in, in Vasa? Yes, it was. Can you tell about this uh, experience? Uh, I've seen the talk, but uh, what happened uh, around that? Like, uh, what kind of uh, response did you get, or or how do you feel like? Uh... It was it was a, an amazing uh, opportunity, and I really enjoyed myself. I felt like a movie star all day. <laughs> <laughs> you looked like one from the video, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, we had a green room, and we had all the service, and we had all the candy, and all. I mean, we had everything was like 
it was so professional. So a big heads up to the to the team arranging the to arranging the event. Uh, but it was also kind of interesting because uh, we were quite a few uh, women there, but I was the only one who spoke about. I and mean, there were quite a few who talked about digitalization and technology as well. But most of them talked about it from an organizational perspective. Mm-hmm. In the center, okay, so we need to do society changes. So we need to change our organizational culture. Or we need to make changes in how we think about work or marketing or uh, how we approach each other or how we communicate and things like that. Um, and I think that I was the only one who had a societal uh, approach towards it. So it was kind of an outlier in that sense. It wasn't <laughs> the, the normal talk, but I got a lot of positive response okay. afterwards. Yeah, lots of people came talk to me and said that it was so eye-opening that they hadn't Very thought nice. about things in this way, that you usually talk about it as a driver for change, but mostly from a, you know, at a higher level. But it's mm-hmm. nothing that we as individuals can or need to think about. Um, but I think that it's something that we definitely need to think about on an individual basis as well. And it's yeah, the the talk that you gave there and uh, the action that you're you're uh, doing in the field, the projects, everything is sort of a uh, the kind of grassroots level, like uh, for all of us, enabling yes. to to get to um, get hands on in in the new technology and what it can provide. Yeah. Um, is it uh, how do you see the change is it happening because I remember from the talk you said like uh, there was one photo of this uh, guy with uh, glasses and that's the stereotype of yep. uh, the people who are kind of around technologies a white male person with glasses mm-hmm. so uh, has the change begun it's difficult to answer that one I think uh, again we're living in our own bubbles so maybe inside my bubble we're talking a lot about um, yes, we we see some kind of change, and of course, if you look at university courses, for instance, so in Finland there's and Finland and the Nordic countries, there's still this very broad divide where you have a small small minority of others than male mm-hmm. uh, or enrolling for technology related or especially computer science related uh, fields. Uh, but then when you look at, for instance, Harvard and Stanford, the big ones in the Ivy League uh, universities in the states, uh, the Basics of computer science are actually courses where you can see now almost a, even a majority of girls taking that okay. course. That's really um, cool. Not so that they enroll for definite for majoring in computer science, but at least that they see the importance of regardless of what I'm going to do, I will need this knowledge. Mm-hmm. In the sense that knowing something about technology uh, and opportunities it, it brings uh, something that's important regardless of what we're going to do because it will it will be part of it because the, mm-hmm. the society is changing so we've in a way we've broken that bubble at least i hope so yeah here yeah. and there yeah i think okay. so and uh, it's not well one of the arguments used now as well for for changing curricula in schools all over the world is that okay so but one of the argument arguments is that since we start teaching this at a younger age, so say that now we have seven-year-olds programming. Um, so for instance, industries are very happy because now they can secure their work to be sure that they will get workers in mm-hmm. 17, 15, 17, 18 years. I'm not really sure if that's a valid argu- argument because nothing says that company X that exists today will still exist in 15 or so years. But on the other hand, a a more important argument, in my view, if you want to think about the 
the, the future careers and the work life in 15 years or so is that we have now actually when we start teaching this to everyone, we actually show everyone that, hey, this is not something that's exclusive to just a small group of people mm -hmm. in a sense that, okay, so if I find my way, I'm interested in music, but I also know a bit about programming or I know a bit about maker culture. So by combi combining these different areas, I can find my own place in the future or create my own place in the future. Mm -hmm. You spoke also about, uh, I found the focus there was in responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot. So, um, how do you see that happening? Like, how do we take the responsibility? I think it's a very huge responsibility to be placed on individuals um, without helping them um, mm -hmm. get that knowledge because it's it's something very new. I mean, we've grown up with technology to some some extent, mm -hmm. uh, but. Um, I mean, the generation I represent, so... Well, no, I haven't really grown up with it. I don't think I've grown up with it. It's just something that I've been born into and then I found an interest in, in it. And then I started working so much with it that I feel that I've, <laughs> I've maybe grown up with it. Um, but there are so be many people around uh, in my generation as well, younger generations, but especially uh, older generations uh, who who now need to find their place in this society. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, uh, well, you asked how are we doing with this responsibility thing. I think that it's kind of difficult also to to, to place that responsibility on anybody. Yeah, I was thinking, do we get there through education, for mm -hmm. example? Mm -hmm. Like what happens in schools? Will yeah. that be sort of enough in a way? Yeah. Or, or what kind of... Um, um, actions or, yeah, or yeah. things you, yeah. you see around there like I think if you think about the, the responsibility aspects I think that schools will provide uh, kids and youth with that uh, opportunity to get become responsible users mm -hmm. and creators and all of these things uh, it won't happen in a year it won't happen in three years either but I think that if a kid starts school now he or she will be quite um, good with technology both as a user and as a producer when he or she gets out of school because there will be so many years when you're actually talking about these things. Uh, of course that demands that the teachers are on board mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's something that we're seeing as well that all the all the projects and the new curriculum and everything that there isn't actually the not doing these things as a teacher is not an option it's not an it's not a option. Yeah, it's not an option anymore. Okay. You actually have mm -hmm. to do it in one way or another because it says so in the curriculum. Um, I'm more not concerned, but I think other efforts are needed in order to create this uh, or make make this create this awareness among others than kids and youth. Uh, so that's something that I want to do within Make It Finland, and I see a big responsibility or possibility within li libraries. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there is this individual responsibility as well that the world changes and I need to, I need to find the will to learn, to cope with these new things. Uh, because I think, and I think that's something that's always happened. Uh, it's just that we are now in part of a, a big revolution, and it's been a while since the since the last one. I just started listening to Hans Rosling's uh, book, uh, where he tells about his own how he came to think about things the way he does and why he started with Gapminder and things. and And he 
he tells a very interesting story about his grandmother, uh, how she how she and her husband and his grandfather they moved into a small apartment and they tell very vivid stories about how she how they managed there and they had lots of kids and very small apartments and things like that and and then he 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 very i mean it's so beautiful when he describes how she felt when she got electricity and how much that changed her way of living and how the biggest thing that she wanted was a washing machine <laughs> okay uh, in a sense, and, and they were living through a revolution. Everyone's dream. Yeah, exactly. A, a, a washing machine. Yeah. And now we're also living through a transformation in, mm-hmm. a, in a sense. And of course, at that point, there were lots of challenges as well. When, when probably manual labor was all of a sudden, it was becoming obsolete because we got a lot of machines to do mm-hmm. things for us. But still, the washing machine, yes, then I can quit doing all those things that I don't really want to do. Uh, and I think it's the same thing now as well, that we're living through a transformation where lots of things are positive in the sense that we can see new opportunities, we can see new new ways of doing things in a better way. But at the same time, we also have this scary, scary news and stuff like that, that, okay, so our jobs will disappear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that we need to like take a step back and look at it from a historical perspective that this has happened before. Uh, and we just need to try to find our own way about this. That's a good point. Getting and, again those, yeah. Yeah, and having the will to learn, because that's something they had to do then as well. So, if we want to learn, I think then, then we could manage. We're safe. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen the new movie, uh, Ready Player One? No, no. We're going to watch it the, okay. this weekend. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, maybe that's in the yeah, next episode where we, where we <laughs> talk about. It. No, I haven't seen yeah. it either. Oh, you haven't seen but it. But I, okay. I just started thinking when you when you told about a kid going to school now. So, mm. what the world will be in in mm. twenty thirty years? Yeah, yeah. It's quite fascinating. It's very fascinating, and it's so fascinating to discuss these things with kids as well because they, at some point, we as adults lose our not lose, but we become worse at actually thinking big in a sense without having our restrictions like nah, that's not technically possible or no we, sh- we can't do this because that and that and mm-hmm. that but if you ask a kid mm-hmm. there are no such restrictions i mean i asked a, I asked a group of kids once that what would they like to do if they had a they could do anything with a a, a milk to go milk package not mm-hmm. like a, a box carton of milk. Or, yeah, yeah. Carton of milk if you could just put it to, you would have it connected to the internet and you could have an app so you could do anything with the milk. And if you ask adults that, I've done that with a lot of teacher groups, they just want to find out if it's gone bad, mm-hmm. if the milk has gone bad. And of course, as grown-ups, that's something Very we want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we something. want to know if it's mm-hmm. bad or not. But kids are like, yeah, I would like to be able to tell it if I want chocolate milkshake or strawberry milkshake. <laughs> and then I want to do this and this and this. And then we as adults are like, ah, that can't be done. I mean, um carton of milk and you would like milkshake out of it but I mean that's possible it's not at all impossible Mm -hmm. but we just have to think about it from a different angle it wouldn't be our regular milk carton milk package so okay I'm getting ideas here because uh, we are going towards Eduhack which is about bringing the school world and uh, what is kind of outside the professionals in in programming in designing so on together and uh, so far we've had uh, 15-year-old, 16-year-old students, 
But now I get to think like we should have the first graders. The small kids. Yeah. yeah they are really, really <laughs> nice to work with. Yeah. Yeah. But would that work in a hackathon? What do you think? They are very lively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the size of the group. If you could have a small group of, of one a of mini first hack, grade, a some mini sort. Hack. Yeah. yeah. That would be a very, very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when we do this, you're on board? I'm on board. Okay. Definitely. Cool. <laughs> and uh, now you're coming as well to uh, give us a keynote. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. What are you going to talk about there? You don't have to <laughs> give the talk now, but uh, briefly. Uh, well, I haven't really decided yet, but I'm thinking of starting from the from the thought that um, again, this kind of democracy aspect or this uh, responsibility or this possibility aspect that you can actually create a lot in the society that we have now, and that you don't have to have a lot of money to do so, which has been the, the case earlier. That if you wanted to do something big, you actually had to have a big bank account or something like that in order to actually go about moving forward with the idea. But when you think about the digital the digital revolution, that one thing that it actually brings forward is that with an idea, you can actually create a lot. So if you think about Rovio and Angry Birds or mm-hmm. Spotify or whatever of these big systems, I mean, they have nothing else than an idea mm-hmm. and some computers created with and a lot of friends around them who believe in the same idea. And that's something that I think that we should encourage not only at schools of course it's very important at schools that kids and youth get this mindset in a sense that nothing well something is impossible of course but everything isn't impossible Um, but also as adults because if we need to get to this mindset that we want to learn and we need to learn all the time it becomes easier if we also can see the opportunities ourselves that hey we can actually learn something that I could use in order to get retired at 55 or, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of these things that open our minds to to that kind of ideas as well. It's more difficult with adults than it is with kids, but Mm -hmm. I think it's not impossible. So we can break the adults bubble in their heads, sort of get out and think fresh. That's what the EduHack is uh, is about, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, For some people, uh, I've heard that the hackathon can be the sort of a threshold, or, or it's even scary to uh, to come there and take mm-hmm. part. But what I'm hearing from you, you're kind of encouraging everyone to to come in and uh, bring those ideas there and uh, be brave in uh, experimenting, like just getting to know. Yeah. The possibilities. Absolutely, I think the hackathon format is is absolutely fantastic in that sense that you can actually come there without any prerequisites. Um, maybe that's something that has to do with our Finnish mentality as well, that we, uh, be. I'm not good at this, or I'm not sure if I'm yeah. good at this, or I'm not really sure if I can bring anything to the table, so I won't even try. And that's a mindset that we need to hide somewhere very, very far under a big carpet or something, uh, because with that mindset, we won't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But. By daring to try, I mean, that's something when I end my most of my lectures or talks when I talk to teachers is that you need to dare to try. Because that and that's the only thing that we can actually require from people. That if they dare to try, then they will do their then they have done their best, in a sense. That's nice to said. Yoda would disagree. 
Yeah, he, he says, who disagrees, there's, there's... he's not right. <laughs> yeah. But you're but decent I, here. I, I, I bought this. I bought this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully if you try, you can also, then you'll realize that, hey, this wasn't so scary. This wasn't so difficult. I actually or maybe even learned something that will make it easier for me to try once more later on. And so the yeah. sort of first steps. Uh, exactly, a progression. A, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's okay. the same thing when you think about teachers now, when teachers have a lot of new things to learn. Um, but you can't become an expert because that would require 10,000 hours. Uh, that's what they say, that mm-hmm. becoming an expert yep. takes 10,000 hours. And no teacher, no adult, no kid even has that. Well, a kid might have it if they if they find a special interest in something. But most people don't have that time to put into a special field mm-hmm. uh, in a very short-term thing. But if you do something now and are happy with that, you say, okay, I did this minimum thing I did with my class this fall. And then you don't stay there. But next fall or spring, you decide, okay, so I do something more. And then next fall again, you decide, okay, I do get something else. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of years, you are much, you've come so much further than when you, where you were when you started without actually maybe even noticing it. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice it when you look back and think about, oh, this is what I did then. And that's also something that I think that we need to we need to help teachers or people who are now in for this change to actually be kind to themselves and not require too much of themselves, but still daring to try and building on what they already know. I feel uh, very positive already, like uh, <laughs> the way you describe it. Well, you're always like... positive, so that's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> doesn't count. <laughs> no, it counts, it counts a lot. No, but I think that it's, uh, I mean, the more positive we are, it's, it's good. And that's also something I usually say that you, we need to have a positive attitude. Because if we as adults go around saying, oh, this technology is so <laughs> bad, I don't know this, I can't do this. So it, it's contagious, right? So yeah. if we yeah. speak like that in our, with, together with our colleagues, mm-hmm. so then our colleagues will be like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't know this either. Or if we speak like that in front of our kids, or if we speak like that in front of our pupils, it's contagious, but most of all, it's contagious towards yourself. Because if you keep telling yourself something, mm-hmm. the more real it becomes. Mm-hmm. So getting past that. So like, yeah, or put it on reverse or, or yeah. change the yeah, direction. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. More and more positive talks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, around this topic. Yeah, I think that's something that we all can do. I think so too. In a rather easy way, of course. It it requires the change of the mindset, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have in the hackathon our theme now is uh, Maker. Mm-hmm. So it's called Maker Hack. And I would like to ask you how would you define Maker culture? Oh, I read a lot of papers about it, so you can get the long version. The long version. No, but I see Maker culture as. as um, um, something where you can um, you can think with your hands, so you 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 get creative using your hands while you're also thinking and create something new together with others. So, but usually you talk about a new version of the do-it-yourself culture where you have like new materials and and stuff like that. But thinking with your hands together with others and sharing your ideas in order to create something new. That's very nice. That would be my like mm-hmm. short-term version of what I 
how I see maker culture. Okay. Mm, how about people who don't know how to, let's say, code or technology that well? Can they be part of this culture and be active there? Absolutely. Maker culture doesn't have, I didn't mention technology at all. Yeah. So, but just so to make sure, yeah, was exactly. that? <laughs> yeah. So that's something that's also maybe when you talk about maker culture, you just, oh, it's a lot of, you have to solder and you have to do a lot with uh, microchips and all of these scary things, which first of all, they're not scary. They're kind of easy things to learn. Uh, but if you don't want to do anything like that, you can still be a maker. Because I mean, you can make out of paper and carton as well. It's more of the mindset that you have an idea. Again, the idea is very much in focus here. Do you have an idea and you have some thoughts about how you could go about implementing that idea? And then you have the tools and the friends around you who can help you do that. Uh, and it doesn't have to be Angry Birds. It could be something very small, which you are proud of. That's also very important to make your culture, in my view, that doesn't have to be anything that solves problems for millions of people or even tens of people. It can all, it, can also be something that solves a problem just for you or becomes something that you are proud of. It doesn't have to be anything that's generally accepted mm -hmm. as a general solution to anything. And maybe through time that tiny thing becomes exactly. even bigger than, yeah. than Angry Birds or, or exactly. something yeah. else. Yeah. That's very nice. So our listeners check out Edgehack and join this maker movement or maker culture. And then just come and enjoy, I would say. It's a lot of fun, actually, to uh, be creative with your uh, team or your friends around you. Absolutely. Maybe the last question. I want to know, because you mentioned in the TEDx talk that uh, one very inspiring moment in your life was to get the Christmas present. Uh, yes. Commodore 64, yes. do you still have it? I still have it. I asked my mom when I went there. I don't have it at home, but it's somewhere at my parents' place. Yeah, because now there are these this new ones, the small ones that you can uh, uh, buy, but I don't want that one. I want my old one, so I'm getting it now the next time we go there. Okay, really cool. Will you bring that to the hack, maybe? I could do that. We can maybe make something with that. I don't know, is it possible? But don't break it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a challenge. That's a challenge, yeah. Usually pretty good with yeah, not yeah, breaking yeah. stuff. Not but. breaking stuff, yeah. yeah. Let's make it, not break it. Yeah. But yeah, let's break some bubbles still. Yes. And thanks a lot for this. Thank it you. was really it was cool to have you here and, and uh, hear all these thoughts. It was fun being here. Thank you for the conversation.